Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world. That ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Realm presents The Witch Who Came In From The Cold, Season 1, Episode 39. This is everything we were able to recover, Nadia said, gesturing to the heap before them. Chunks and hinges of the construct scattered across Gabe's map, copper wiring and quartz and ashed herbs arranged in a miniature, roughly human shape. Jordan mashed a still-smoldering clump of papers and herbs in her mortar and pestle, then scattered it atop the construct's remains while Tanya watched. Tanya's skin felt too tight for her body. The pulse of the ley lines beat against her like a drum. Already, the energy was pouring into the crystals. Now the task fell to her to bring it to life, give it direction, and hope that Gabe's own elemental, hell, that Gabe himself would cooperate. The map shows the original flight plan the CIA charted for Dominic, but he'll likely have chosen his own path, Gabe explained. The words were rushing out of him all at once, as if someone had pulled his plug free. Still, it's a good chart of the wind currents. I thought it might, might help us guide the way. It's good, Tanya said. It is a starting point. Gabe grimaced, somewhere between smiling at her approval and cringing at it. Tanya supposed it was the best she could hope for from him. One last thing from the embassy's trash, he said. Then pulled a chewed up stub of a cigar from his pocket and tossed it onto the heap of components. To help us focus on Dominic. Tanya nodded her approval. She linked hands with Nadia, who linked with Alistair, who linked with Jordan. Then she held her hand out toward Gabe. Once we join hands, Tanya told him, you can't let go. Chess pieces scattered. Dom slid, rolled, and rose into a fighting crouch, hand to his knife. Sokolov sprawled on the floor among rolling bishops. Dom staggered toward the host, kicking pawns out from underfoot. Sokolov caught his wrist, levered himself upright. The man didn't look hurt. Dom helped him to a seat and strapped him in. How about a little warning next time, he shouted up to the pilot. Turbulence, the pilot sounded tense. Weather's getting strange up here. Sudden clouds, weren't on any of the forecasts. Strange how, 
No answer. Sokolov reached for Dom's jacket, but Dom stepped back. It's fine. You'll be fine. We got this under control. He smiled. Sokolov did not seem to calm. The airplane jerked again. The Russian cried out. Fuck it. Dom ran for the cockpit. Gabe stared at Tanya's outstretched hand. Incense clogged his lungs, and the shadows of Jordan's basement wadded thick and cloying as wet cotton around him. He swam or drowned in the dimness. The construct twitched in the circle, a spidery tinker toy twist of broken metal. He wasn't supposed to be here. This wasn't what Gabe Pritchard did. He served his country. He fought. He killed. He betrayed sometimes. But this, this was Cairo and worse. He had to stop Dom. He couldn't without Tanya's help. All the other screwing around with ice and flame, that had all been spy work or close to it. This was something different. He glanced to Jordan for help, but Jordan's eyes were closed. She was part of this ceremony now, this ritual. They needed him. Tanya's hand glowed in the dark. Dom barreled into the cockpit. What the hell is going? The sky silenced him. Black clouds, not gray, but the color of volcanic ash, boiled up against either side of the plane. Ahead, they bubbled into new, twisted curves, spitting out columns of smoke. Weird, sick, green and purple lightning crackled from their depths. The plane was flying into a sky like a closed fist. The pilot was talking. Never seen anything like, neither had Dom, but he recognized it all the same. This wasn't weather. This was a weapon. Turn around, he said. The pilot twisted the yoke. The plane rattled, but didn't turn. It's not responding. Sparks played over the instrument panel. Get down, Dom said. He felt nothing. Wooden. Locked inside himself, frozen in the face of the sky. It's fine. We can weather it. The plane's insulated. Get down, damn it. There was the anger. There was the sweat. Low as you can go. Sokolov babbled in Russian, some kind of prayer Dom couldn't follow through the engine noise. Down! Gabriel. Tanya's voice sounded so childish to her ears. No, not childish. Exposed. There were no more games or roles or covers to maintain. She hated it. But if her most honest self was what she needed to convince Gabe Pritchard to help... And that was what she'd be. Gabe looked at her as he sucked in an incense-choked breath. Orange sparks danced in the gleam of his eyes. I... The construct, what was left of it, surged to life with a rattle of quartz and wire. And those crystal eyes, those orbs which had hunted for a host, a very specific host, began to glow. Gabe's fingers laced in Tanya's. Down, goddammit, get us down, get. 
And then there was light. The construct hung in the center of the circle of people with the limpness of a marionette. Only there was no hand holding it up, just their chanting. Tanya didn't need to be told the words or the language. She felt them, strumming inside her like a chord, and all she needed was to open her mouth and let them pour out. Gabe's hand was like fire against hers, searing away dead skin, spreading through her limbs and on to Nadia on her other side. His elemental tasted of metal and intoxication, like a thick silvery alcohol in her blood. It oozed, quicksilver, through her senses, plating her words in mercury. Threads of gold spun from the chanter's mouths, stitched themselves around the hovering construct, its quartz joints, crystal eyes, even the nub of cigar. A fierce wind circled them, picking up speed, whipping at their clothes and hair, pressing in on them in the eye of the storm. The construct rose higher as the wind howled against the chamber's roof. Its limbs twitched and fought, its crystal eyes rotated, giving the impression of a spooked horse. Gabe's hand became Tanya's, and his elemental became all of them, knitting a fine web of magic over everything. Two ley lines and an elemental to power the spell. Tanya wondered dimly if that raw energy might tear her apart. Too late. She was mercury and air, quartz and crystal and ash. She was the pinprick on the map that linked all these things together, and the cool alpine air on the other side. She could almost see it, in the gaps between her words, the aluminum frame of the plane, the chess pieces flying around in its cabin, and then the sudden crush of pressure as the storm converged. The world whirled and returned. Some small, feverish beast screamed in Dom's ears. He was Dom, still. He was alive. Spinning, collapsed against the instrument panel, but alive. He blinked tears from his eyes and pushed himself upright. The pilot slumped against his harness, neck broken. Vomit and spit and blood leaked from his mouth. Poor bastard must have bitten through his tongue, along with everything else. Fuck, Dom said, but he couldn't hear his own voice. Clouds swirled and burned outside the plane. He didn't look into them. He didn't want to see the things he knew were there. This storm wasn't natural. The goddamn ice again, pushing, always pushing. Jealous fuckers. They'd called things in the night, monsters in the storm, great quivering snakes of shadow in the sky. And the plane was going down. Dom shoved the dead pilot off his yoke. His stomach lurched as he moved. The plane swirled. God damn it, God damn it. He tugged the yoke, twisted. No control at all. Couldn't even guide the spin. Stalled. He risked a glance out the window, fine so long as he didn't stare into the clouds. The plane was miles up and falling fast, nose to ground, rolling on its axis. No way to save the plane, not now. Fine, fine. Repeat that enough times and you'll convince yourself it's, what's done is done, get a parachute. 
He felt curiously weightless as he climbed onto the back of the pilot's chair, jumped, then caught the cockpit doorframe and pulled himself up, legs flailing. He panted and surged onto the bulkhead, collapsed. Seconds left, if that. The parachutes hung toward the rear of the aircraft, near the seats. To reach them, he'd have to climb straight up, 15 feet in this whirling coffin. He couldn't make it in time. The plane would pancake into ass-end West Germany with him inside. Then the emergency exit door behind him blew. He heard that, even over the small, high screaming of the beast. Don't give up. Turn. Sokolov stood by the open door, parachute on his back, tensing. Of course. He'd been strapped in, near the parachutes. He wouldn't have blacked out. Plenty of time to grab a chute and go. The flame needed this poor bastard. A perfect host, tractable, timid. They knew Dom's flight path. They'd be along before the CIA could mobilize the local authorities. Your duty's clear. Be the pawn. Sacrifice yourself. But Sokolov trembled at the door. Dom had seen it before, afraid to jump, even if staying meant death. Dom forced himself to his feet, worked his way along the bulkhead to Sokolov, wrapped one arm around his shoulders, and slit the old man's throat with his knife. Blood sprayed across Dom's hands and shirt. It burned. Magic? Guilt? No time to worry. Sokolov gaped at him with both mouths. Dom tore off the old man's parachute, adjusted the straps, and dove out into the magic mad sky. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing 
to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Something had changed around Tanya. With a blink, she realized it was the room. It was crooked. No, she was. Her cheek throbbed something fierce where it rested on the cold concrete floor. A thousand specks stung her face. When she wiped at it, her hand came away with powderized stone and blood. Tanya. Gabe was crouched over her, nudging her shoulder. Sweat crept down his temples. Everything was brighter now, but hadn't the candles gone out? She tried to glance around for the light source. It hurt her eyes too much to move them. She squeezed them shut with a groan. Tanya. Nadia now. Tanushka. Odvietimana. She's fine. Jordan's voice, smoky and cracked. Nothing a shot of vodka can't fix. Tanya rolled onto her stomach and forced herself into a crouch. Gabe's hand on her shoulder fell away as he scrambled back from her. Tanya rocked onto her heels, still curled in a ball, and forced herself to open her eyes once more. What was left of the map smoldered in the center of the ritual floor, and on top of it, she squinted. The construct, lifeless and shattered beyond repair. Tanya swallowed down the lump in her throat. Her mouth still tasted of toxic metal. Maxime Sokolov is dead. Zarena tapped away the ash from her cigarette and pressed the transmit button on the radio with one lacquered fingernail. Wraith requesting status update. Nothing to report, Wraith. The American voice on the other end was taut. I'll have to go dark soon. Nothing, Corel snapped, hovering over Zarena's shoulder. They should have landed two hours ago. Zarena regarded him with narrowed eyes as she took a sip of her bourbon. This is unacceptable. Your contact at the airbase is lying to us. Carell shoved his hands into his pockets. He is leading you on. They want the host for themselves. My contact and his flame sponsor are not pleasant men, Zarena conceded. She wrinkled her nose, remembering Dominic and his awful cigars. But they are loyal to our cause. How can you know? Honestly, how can you be sure? With you and Sasha constantly stabbing each other in the back, and then that disaster in Cairo. We're falling to shit. Corel shoved his hands into his hair and left them there. <sighs> it's unacceptable, Zarena. At this rate, the bloody ice will acquire more hosts than we will. They did not capture the host, Zarena said. I am confident of that. Does it matter? At this stage, they've captured many more. We're falling behind. But they have no courage to kill them. Zarena smiled. To kill a host is to lose the elemental. Set it free into the world once more. Then it must find a newborn host. It could latch onto anyone, and we'd have to find them anew. But look, Karel, it's the favor they have done us. With their cowardice, their reluctance to kill, they have instead collected all of these hosts for us. 
their elementals neatly contained. Collected, Corel echoed. You were certain. Reasonably. Zarena stared at the ash collecting on her cigarette and tapped it away again. I am quite certain who does know for sure. Corel exhaled loudly. And I don't suppose you'll be sharing that information with me anytime soon. Of course not. Look what happens when I do. She pressed the transmit button once more. Wraith going dark. Report any further information through the usual channels. Copy. She switched the radio off with a snap, then looked back at Corel. His rumpled suit, his stubble, the oily tint to his face. Such disarray over one little piece of a much larger machine. Make sure you hide that radio somewhere less obvious this time, Zarena told him. Even I can't control when the STB will conduct searches. Corel shot her a withering stare. Yes, then what can you control these days? Zarena's fingers were around his throat in a flash, ruby lacquer pressing into fish belly pale flesh. Corel's lips pulled back, swollen and slimy to reveal mossy teeth. Somewhere in the room around them, a flame crackled. Hungry. Stay out of my way. Zarena's check turned into a hiss. Soon I'll have more hosts than your tiny mind will even know what to do with. Corel's muscles slackened, though only by a fraction. I know precisely what to do with them. Zarena tilted her head to one side, arching one brow. Then you'd better start finding me acceptable vessels. She released him and spun on her heel to fetch her jacket from its hook. Corel rubbed at his throat, watching her, something like fear or irritation dancing across his features. From the ashes, he whispered. From the ashes, Zarena echoed. Very soon. And then she was gone. Four. An unseasonable warmth held Prague in a gentle embrace. Tanya shucked off her jacket and paused on the Charles Bridge, watching the workers pass her by as a soft orange sunset spread like egg yolk in the west. Exhaustion pulled at her bones, but it was a good exhaustion. The weight of a job well done. The weight of being alive. After the past few days, she'd gladly bear that weight. By the time she reached the embassy, it had emptied out for the day. She'd missed a full day of work, no matter. Tanya smiled wearily as she made her way down the concrete steps to the vault. She still had a report to write. Frank stared out his narrow office window into the embassy courtyard. Steam drifted from his coffee mug. I can't say I'm happy to hear any of this. A file lay open on his desk, close typed pages stamped top secret, and a black and white photograph of a wreck only a professional could identify as a crashed cargo plane. They found the plane in Germany, which wasn't on the flight plan. Frank set his coffee on the windowsill and pulled a cigarette from the pack in his shirt pocket. He lit the cigarette and drew a breath.
Nobody knows why Dom turned. Langley says he was a model agent. Impeccable credentials. No one knows how he got this far down the road. No one even knows why. Sokolov was a fine asset for us, a nice grab, but he wouldn't have won us the war. From a Soviet perspective, Dom was a much higher value asset. So, Sokolov was more valuable than we knew. Or Dom had overplayed himself somehow, would have been found out soon, wanted to take as high value a play as he could get. Or he wasn't working for the Soviets and planned to go solo. Too damn many questions, and I don't like any of the answers the eggheads back home keep pushing my way. He tipped Ash into the ashtray. And then there's Gabe. The overhead light painted the bare walls green. Somewhere in the world outside Frank's office, typewriter keys hammered against paper. Frank shook his head. I can't believe any of it. He's a sharp agent. He's at his knocks, sure. Cairo hit him hard, and I've been riding him even harder to get him to shape up. But he's a clean, good worker, and he's had a thousand chances to betray us if he's had one. So, I don't like your tale. I don't like hearing it so soon after Dom. I feel like there's another game running next to ours, or on top of it. Which I wouldn't mind if it hadn't suddenly started moving pieces that matter to me and to the United States of America. I don't like being pulled into games I don't play. He turned from the window. Thank you for coming to me with this, Toms. Josh kept still. He'd spent all his conviction telling the story. Now, having spoken, he felt alone. I didn't know where else to turn, sir, Josh said. Tanya had already fed a fresh sheet of paper into her typewriter when she noticed the thin strip of light beneath Chief Komietsky's office door. Her fingers froze, hovering over the keys as panic clenched around her heart. He'd sent her to her death. Whether he knew of her connection to the ice or not, he'd tried to murder her. And he'd been working with the American flame man all along. But she was done with hiding from the KGB chief and from the flame. Tanya squeezed the crystal paperweight on her desk, then stood. Her stool gave a faint metal groan as she tucked it away. Sasha's back was to her. He was resetting a chessboard to its starting position in one corner of the room. Several of his games had been reset, in fact. She tucked that little detail away for later. Tanya, my dear girl. Sasha turned toward her with a hideous smile pressed firmly in place. He was no happier about this than she was. I was horrified to learn that those capitalist friends shot at you. And poor Sergei, Yuri. His whole face sagged with sorrow, as subtle as a kabuki mask. Do not be sad, comrade. We will find a way to make the Americans pay. Hmm, indeed, we shall. His gaze sparkled in the harsh fluorescent light. I am working with Lubyanka on several ideas at this very moment, in fact. But you, he wagged one finger at her. You should not be working so hard. Take a week off, Danushka. I insist on it. Rest, clear your mind of this dreadful ordeal. But, sir, 
the paperwork. Bah, the paperwork can wait. He waved her toward the door. Go, rest. Tanya had no doubt there was some ulterior motive in his desire to send her away, but she was too weary to puzzle it out just now. She could use the rest. Rest, and time to regroup and plan. How she wished she could speak to her grandfather again, or even his construct in the radio. Someone who could guide her through whatever came next. Open warfare with the acolytes of flame? No, Prague was not a place for open battle. They would continue as they had been, with feints and stabs in the shadows. But Tanya had no doubt that there were far greater dangers lurking right around the corner. There was a larger web being spun around her, and Chief Komietsky was only one spider waiting for her to be caught. But at least she saw the web now. Now she could begin to tear it down. Actually, comrade, she gestured toward the chessboard that Sasha had just arranged, then sank into the chair before it. White. In spells, it was a purifying color. In some cultures, though, it was the color of death. She plucked up a pawn and rubbed it between her fingers. I think I'd like to play a game. You're listening to The Witch You Came In From The Cold, created and produced by Realm, your portal to another world. Listen away. Every five minutes, a transplant candidate dies while waiting for a compatible heart, liver, or kidney. Imagine a technology that could provide those life-saving transplant organs for a high price, and imagine what a company would do to monopolize that technology. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists unlocks this holy grail of medicine by reverse engineering the genomes of all mammals, creating an animal with organs perfectly suitable for human transplantation. They envisioned a docile herd animal, but one team member had another, darker vision. This ancestor is anything but docile. The team's work spawns something big, something evil, something very, very hungry. Ancestor is a complete serialized fiction podcast by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler with all episodes available. Binge the entire story now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Witch Who Came In From The Cold is created by Max Gladstone and written by Max Gladstone, Lindsay Smith, Cassandra Rose Clark, Ian Tregellis, and Michael Swanwick. Performed by Christine Lakin and John Glushevich. Directed by Dennis Keo. Produced by Julian Yap and Marco Palmieri. Associate Producers Corey Barton and Devin Shepard. Executive Produced by Molly Barton. Audio Production by Literati Audio. Audio Editing by Evan Arnett and Fred Koch. Mixing and Mastering by Jeremy Wesley. Original Music by Katherine Anderson. Find more shows like this on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.